0: All right, everyone. Hello. It's Jared here from the 20-Sided Gamified Podcast. Clearly, you must know that's what it is because you came to listen to this. So yeah, there you go. Um, Very exciting day. Um, If you've ever heard of Bellaludi rules, or if you haven't heard of it, you're going to learn a lot about that uh, rule system today for miniatures. I'm here with somebody I consider a friend, uh, Peter von Dopp from over in uh, the old country of Europe. I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about uh, where he's from. Uh, but Peter, welcome. Thank you, Gerard. Yeah, thanks very much for coming in. So, uh usually where I love to start uh these kinds of interviews, especially for people who aren't uh too familiar with who you are, um tell us just a little bit about yourself and like where you're from. All right. Uh well, my name is Peter van Dop.
1: it's Peter van Dob in Dutch, but Peter van Dop uh, we'll do it in uh, in English. <laughs> Um, and I'm from the Netherlands, and as you might know, the, the, the Netherlands is a small country in the northeastern part of Europe, and uh, situated between Britain and Germany, and uh, I live in the town called Utrecht, uh, which is a medieval town uh, which has been there for since Roman times, mm-hmm. and uh, although I live in a new, a new part of the, uh, the city. And uh, I'm 53 years old. Uh, graduated as a uh, military historian in 2018, and uh, my day job is uh, at Rijkswaterstaat, which would be the highways agency. I think in uh, in in English. Mm-hmm. Don't know if there's an American equivalent
0: for that, but I think it's pretty similar. Yeah, like transportation okay. or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's a government uh, office that that. It, basically controls the road and um, do, does traffic management and all kinds of stuff. And I work there as a day job. And in my uh, as my side hustle, I have the Bellaludi, uh business, uh, which is uh, part rule sets and part team building.
0: Awesome. And that's very similar to uh, some of what NextGen does, which I think if my memory serves me right, Peter, that's how you and I first... Came into contact, correct? Yeah, so a few little a little while ago. So that's interesting. And by the way, what always uh, I always find the gaming scene in Europe just so fascinating. I mean, obviously, right? You know, the United States being such a young country, obviously, when it comes to war gaming. I mean, there are things that we might see every day and want to game. But for you guys, it's like you know, just the the amount of historical events and conflicts and things that you're surrounded by. I know that might sound a little macabre, though, uh, given. We're talking about people's lives here, but from a gaming perspective, there's a lot, lot you can do. I guess you could say true. and and also there's some things you can't do. That's mm-hmm.
1: um, because when 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 we try to uh, create a team building games, uh, we decided on Um mm-hmm. uh, because the Second World War is for some people too close for mm-hmm. uh, in memory, and uh, well, especially. Um, well, the, the, the Netherlands were, were occupied for five years and uh, there was, well, uh, a, a brutal occupation, you, you might say. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, there, there are still memories here, uh, also jokes, but uh, uh, there are still memories here. And if you're playing a World War II game in Europe, there's going to be Germans. And uh, then you ha- might have a situation when you try to introduce people into wargaming that I'm not going to play Germans, especially not
0: those SSS. (laughs) No, for sure. That happens here too. Like uh, as a school teacher, you know, for years there were certain games that I felt comfortable running and certain ones that I didn't, you know? So for example, the American civil war, Um, pretty unpleasant. I mean, war is unpleasant, but there are so many other factors that sort of get embedded into that conflict that, a lot of people are just like, I'm not playing the Confederacy. You know, I'm not going to sit there and push miniatures around, in which I have to look at, you know, the Confederate battle standard because you know your family may have been affected by that directly. So I get it, believe me. True, yeah,
1: and 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 well, the same the same goes for here. But Napoleonics is is uh, really safe. I mean, it's 200 years ago, so
0: yeah, and, yeah. No, you know, it's funny. I It's not funny, but I was going to say, and this came up on one of our other podcasts. I mean, people are wargaming like the Russia-Ukraine conflict with like Flames yep. of War miniatures, which is just to me like incredibly, uh, it, like an incredible lack of taste, I, I think might be the best way to put it.
1: Uh, yeah, but on the other hand, it, it might give you some insight in what is really happening there. That and, is true, um, and, and but and but I think that what what something that the the the, the Russian and Ukrainian war has shown that uh, well all the stats we have on Russian
0: vehicles we can put the, throw them out the window. <laughs> yeah, and I guess on that note too, I guess it does matter the context, right? Because I mean, I guess like I I teach a military history course at my school, and I could see throwing some miniatures on the table to kind of reflect the things that are happening but i guess maybe having a you know having an adult beverage and sitting down at the table with buddies maybe maybe that's like another another level i don't know but it is definitely something interesting to think about in our field you know
1: so it's true i, I mean uh when you when you're writing uh, now on a modern miniature wargame rule set you're going to have to include tractors
0: yeah no for sure <laughs> for sure and exactly and, at <laughs> your point before too about russian tanks yeah. i mean you know we're learning a lot. You know, unfortunately, so or fortunately, depending on your perspective.
1: Yeah, depending on the, but but and well, as we all agree, and and I think that that goes for uh, most of the war gamers. We all know that, that war is horrible, and it's it's definitely not the way to go. But it's also. Uh, incredibly fascinating, yeah. Because uh, somehow the the what uh, I, I don't know it's a, it's a quote from history, but the war brings out the best and the worst in mm-hmm. people, and um, and that's also what you see in the Ukraine Russia conflict, and you see it in other conflicts as well.
0: Yeah. So. When you got your degree in military history, um, what were some of the topics that you studied?
1: Well, I did. I did. I did um, Well, first, I had to go to a normal history uh, at university, and there I did a lot of uh, medieval stuff, early medieval stuff, Mm -hmm. because the university in Utrecht is very well uh, versed in in, in early medieval history. And uh, so that was fascinating. And then I went to Amsterdam for the uh, military history master, and there I did my thesis on, uh, uh, well... There's only a French term for it. It's called petit guerre, mm-hmm. and it, it translated, it's petty war or small war. Well, small war is normally associated with uh, the the British colonial conflicts, right? But uh, uh, it's it was during the uh, the War of the Spanish Succession, 1701-1713, where there were a lot of sieges and there were some battles, basically one every year. Uh, and I want to look into the the time in between that, between sieges, between uh, battles. There was a lot of stuff going on, and that was called petit guerre.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's
1: basically, the the small parts of the war, and it's reconnaissance and uh, foraging and all kind of stuff there. And uh, well, I did my thesis on that, and uh, well, graduated. So that was brilliant. That's what it, it was. <laughs> So much fun! I did it in in uh, in night school, on uh, so uh, beside my job, and it, it, I should have done that uh, twenty years earlier or something. I don't, I don't know.
0: That's, no, it's uh, it's I do know because I get what you mean. Like there's something if you really like history, there's something so rewarding about a graduate level program where you are just knee deep and elbow deep in literature. And learning, yeah, so, and and
1: it. yeah, well, yeah, and, and uh, as a part-time student, you get to pick uh, the, the, the the courses that you like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we, we did one on the Vietnam War, we did one on uh, well genocide, which uh, but also uh, early medieval, and uh, we did a course on the Boer War. So you get to you get to pick nitpick all kinds of stuff uh
0: which which is really a treat right and and again i guess you know living in utrecht was which is such a um a you know a city with a long history i mean if you like medieval history i mean you're just surrounded and immersed in it
1: yeah true and and if you walk there there's they're still the place where uh, uh the the roman fortress it's it's marked on the ground so if you don't know it, you'll step over it. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they have this thing, and and it's really nice when uh, when it gets darker because they have a line. Uh, well, they have a, a metal line, which is the 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 line of the of the fortress, and in that line is an opening, and there's light coming out of there. So there's there's this white line of light. Across the street, and sometimes there's also kind of smoke coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're bound to notice when you when you're in the dark, but in the daytime you'll walk over it. That's yeah, see, so uh, you're uh,
0: making uh, me very jealous right now because it's <laughs> funny, like this morning, so again, as a teacher, you know one of the one of the kind of like really cool parts of my job is you know, taking international trips and being like a chaperone in some cases like helping plan. You know, I, a trip like that, which is really fun. But the jealousy part is that um when a couple of years ago, when before you know the COVID times, uh-huh. uh we had taken a trip to Israel, right? And at the same oh, right. time that I was there, my wife was in your country. <laughs> and uh-huh. she just I had a great time, obviously, where I was, but she had she literally told me to say on this podcast like how much she was in love with with the low countries in that whole region. She did talk about it being a little rainy and a little cold. That was in the uh, Yeah. <laughs>
1: we, we, we have a very uh, wet... Uh Climate and, but it's changing due to climate change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now have more uh, warmth in the summer and and, right. and less less snow. But uh I, well, I kind of like it that way. That's uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, totally, <laughs> I, totally. I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> and, uh, but is, is she is historian as well? Or yeah, good question. Uh, yeah, no. See, you know what? It's it's a little it's a little bit. Um, it's a little bit of a role reversal here because usually I'm the one that ends up asking all the questions. So this is the first time somebody's asked me a direct question. So that's exciting. Now, my wife is an art teacher, so she's a ceramicist like her, her main sort of, uh, you know, medium that she works in is clay. Um, And she teaches at the same school that I do. Yeah. So, so usually when we travel, uh, the art museums are usually like one of the, one of the first stops that we make when we're, you know, out and about internationally. So,
1: all right, yeah, and then if she was here, she would probably went ceramics. She was in Delft with the with the Delft blue. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, for um, yeah. sure. That, Sounds familiar.
1: Uh, yeah, but but it's and and and, and, and that's uh, something we don't we when we when you live here, you do do not realize that there's so much history uh, all around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally live um, about a kilometer that's uh, no, a little more than half a mile from uh, um, how do you call it uh, they re- rebuilt a roman fort there because mm-hmm. uh, the the limes was i'm um, right here in barbarian country and on the other side of the rhine was uh roman civilization so and it's still there and uh, or basically they rebuilt it because right. uh, wh- when they built this whole uh, neighborhood they, they first did archeological uh, survey and they found an engine of uh, a Junkers that was shut down here in 1940. Oh, and, wow. Uh, they found a Roman boat and, uh, well, they, they found a lot of other stuff and they put it in a mu- museum there and the museum is in the uh, the Castellum, in, in, in the castle. Yeah, so, it sounds great. Yeah, it is. And and you can walk in there and it's free to, uh, it's free to visit, so... And uh, well, some of the reenactors have found it as well because in the in the summertime they have some days when there's Roman reenactors there, and uh, well, the kids come and play, and yeah, yeah, uh, it's so good fun.
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. And yeah. I guess on that note, um, again, when I often think about traveling to Europe, usually like one of the first things I think of, besides like the art, and besides you know some of the more you know like historical things that don't necessarily have to do with wargaming, but the wargaming scene seems to be, and the gaming scene in general, seems to be quite uh, booming in Europe. It always and, seems like people have a game going on somewhere.
2: Uh,
1: yeah, well, I don't, um, I, I don't know. It, it is in in Britain. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, even though they had a Brexit, they're still part of Europe. right? Um, but uh, in, in Britain, the, the wargaming industry is is huge. And uh, when you go in the in the rest of Europe, um, because why well, I have to look at my sales figures because most of it goes to the U.S. and and the U.K. Right, and then the other three will be I think Germany, uh, Italy, and France, mm-hmm. and uh, well the Netherlands is there as well, but uh, usually. Uh, the the guys that buy my games mm-hmm. I know them from conventions and right. uh, so that's that's a bit difficult for me to to ascertain but uh, well Germany is very well it's eighty million people so it's a it's a large country and mm-hmm. they have they have a gaming history I mean uh, the the Catan you know that oh yes absolutely yeah. well a lovely it's, board it's, game. Uh, it's a German game. so yes. and and they have a whole industry of uh, board games and and family games, and uh, it's it's very big there. and uh, well, I, I spent uh, last year, I did a convention in the middle of nowhere somewhere, mm-hmm. and there was a small shed and they got i think 200 people there in, oh, in 2 wow. days so and the, and those were just uh, not your, not your regular war gamers, you know with the, with the black shirt
0: on and the, and the hairy faces and <laughs> slightly <laughs> right.
1: overweight and about
0: 40 50 years old right <laughs> oh no and, there's there's definitely a look to a historical war gamer even though that's probably offending somebody out there, but it's, I mean, there's a degree of truth to it. So there's a,
1: there, but, but there were, were mothers with kids and, uh and, and, and basically the whole neighborhood came to that place to see what uh, Melanie, who was the organizer was, mm-hmm. was going on about. No, that's so, super cool.
0: That's super cool. Yeah. So can you tell me, um how did you specifically get into gaming, whether it's board games or war, war games <sighs> or role playing or whatever? Well, I, I, I think I started, and I started at a young age
1: with with modeling kits. The first one that was Spitfire, which I got when I was 12 years old. It was mm-hmm. a small Airfix kit. Uh, my brother put it together for me, and I played with uh, I played with it, uh, just my imagination, I, I think. And I played with toy soldiers, also Airfix and, and Matchbox, and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a friend of mine, we we went to some sort of convention and there was a small table there and it was a, a gaming group called murphy's heroes who, okay. had, uh, who had a stand there and well we we came to the stand and we saw lovely miniatures it was uh cold war and we were in the middle of the cold war back then Mm-hmm uh but it was a cold war game in i think six millimeter or something that's very small tanks yep and uh and well we had the those big uh 20 millimeter tanks from, from airfix and well we played with them together but we're making we're making the rules up as as we went i mean right. this one shooting at that okay it's gone and well and and then move on but uh, that was our first uh, connection with wargaming. And it was a whole world that opened up for me. You said, okay, you can play with these toys in a serious way in uh, with rules. And, well, of course, we had Risk and uh, we had Stratego, which is, a, I think is a Dutch game, but mm-hmm. not, I'm not sure. Um but those were board games, and uh, what I like about war games is that you have a area, and there's uh, and you can move freely around mm-hmm. that area. It's uh, it's chess without the, the boxes. Yeah. Basically, and um, and and that really intrigued me. And well, I had I had this thing for history. Uh, I had the models, and well. We we bought a set of rules and it was a, a Napoleonic rule set. It was in Dutch, but mm-hmm. somebody took the t- took the trouble to translate that, and uh, and we started painting our uh, plastic uh, Napoleonic uh, soldiers, and we used to uh, <laughs> use the whole living room. <laughs> Put 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 the table aside, put the bench uh, the, the 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 sofas aside, and then well, we started playing, and we played for a day, and then uh, picked it all up again. That was that was good fun, and uh, well, and then you uh, because that was way before the internet, so uh, that died down a little bit. Uh, girls came into play. Uh, life happens. Yeah, and sure. <laughs> and then there was this i bought a box of miniatures was uh it it wasn't uh warhammer because i bought but it was um figures made by citadel but uh there was a mat and well uh, you, you you got some um how do you call it um well you could put the miniatures on onto Oh yeah, uh onto bases. Click right. them in. And there was a uh it's it it's it called not uh Ridderstrijd in in Dutch and, is it Battle know. Masters?
0: Could be. I think that's I think so. I, I think had so. that game. Yeah. Yeah,
1: there were goblins and there were orcs and, oh, and there 100%, were 100% was and, Battle and, Masters. And, yeah
0: and there were hexes Uh, that you would move around yeah. and the stats were on the base. Oh yeah. That was a really important. Like if we're talking the history of games, I think that's an important one because it really does kind of um, bridge the gap between maybe that first Napoleonic game you played or, or, you know, the six millimeter game you were talking about. That's a little bit more freewheeling. It's almost like taking that and putting it onto almost like a more traditional game board, you know, or a hex board. So, you know. True, and I got fascinated by
1: that, but we thought the, the rules were a bit simple. We were in our 20s back then, and um, and then I found a game store in Gouda, and um, and they sold Warhammer. And I w- went in, I said, well, I got this game. Uh, I think it's a little bit too easy. What do you suggest? And they said, well, here's a box of Warhammer. Right. So, all right, I bought that. Got the, We got really into that and that was the really fun part of Warhammer where you can mix the orcs with the chaos and uh, well put it all together
0: right and was this and, fantasy battle Peter or was it more yeah, of the it sci-fi was a fan version fa-
1: fantasy no, battles fantasy battles yeah gotcha I've, I've, never, I've never been much into 40k That's, yes uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why but uh I tried it mm-hmm. uh, I painted painted a, uh, an army uh, imperial guards mm-hmm. and I went to well, I tried I tried to uh, have a game. In the, there was a tournament, small tournament in in Zwolle. Then uh, I tried it. Uh, didn't like it. Uh, mm-hmm. Was beaten uh, soundly.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course, that wouldn't prevent me. But <laughs> <laughs> well, tournaments are a whole other animal, too. Uh, a whole you know, the way other that people, animal. the yeah. way that yeah, the way that people play. It's just like a little bit different than maybe some of the more casual gaming that maybe you or I are kind of used to.
1: Uh, true true and and we were used to playing together and um, we're always with friends and uh well there, there, there's beer involved of course mm-hmm. and, and 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 crisps and and what have you and uh we throw we throw a couple of dice have a chat and um well basically if you're Oh, uh, I made a mistake. I forgot something. Oh well, mm. I'll do it again. I'll Do it anyway, and right. not on tournaments. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, that <laughs> no, they're they're too fanatic for for my taste.
0: That's, yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I'm the same yeah. way. Look, but at the same time, I and I always defend the tournament scene because I do think that um there there is some merit to it, especially as a teacher, because there's a lot of thought that goes into like that list building, and there's a lot of thought that goes yeah, into that competitive true. part. So as an educator, it's like I. I'm fond of that, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I would rather just get together with friends in my basement and roll some dice and have fun. And it's like, it's the camaraderie part that is more important than. Oh, I forgot it's, it's, to it's, make a dice roll or something. You know.
1: Yeah, the, the, and, the, and it's the social part, and and uh, but but any and, the the thing is about tournaments, and and we also have that when uh, when when you when you uh, do a social war game, mm-hmm. and and it's the competitiveness that makes it that brings up all kinds of emotions, and sure. because you're actually you're playing to win,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and I think that's something that connects all war gamers. You're you're always playing to win, and uh, if you're losing, you want to have the. Assurance you can that you can say to yourself, well, I did my best. It, did, mm-hmm. it didn't work out this time, but okay, next time I'm 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 going to have my revenge someday." Mm-hmm. So that's uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So so uh, because I'm 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 a really relaxed player, but um, we also we we did a game about. Um, in the, it was in the medieval uh, medieval game, and uh, the Duke of Holland was invading the northern part of what is now the Netherlands. And my troops were meant to go over the dike and, uh, well, uh, attack attack those uh, blasted Frisians. <laughs> and all the while, uh, they well, they 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 had light troops before me. I like got heavy troops, and that we were playing hail caesar and i forgot for i think three four turns that i uh, could also have a short range attack mm-hmm. and that was so frustrating <laughs> yeah i've been there <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it really got to me so a friend of mine said so, hey peter it's a game <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it's it's it, the, the emotions, uh, well, it grabbed me at the at that point. And that was uh, on the, on the one hand, I was I was feeling very silly. Yeah. But on the other hand, that's wargaming. That's no, that's, it is, it is. Yeah,
0: we all have our tics too. I think. Like for me, uh, it doesn't happen as much anymore because I feel like the games that I do not like to play, I just don't play. You know. Mm-hmm. But like a game like Warhammer, um. Or I'm trying to think what would be maybe even like a game like DBA or something like that. I can just remember if things were not going my way, it's like a- any like smart brain molecules that I have all of a sudden come out and like I can critique the rules like somebody might critique like the U.S. Constitution, you know, and that (laughs) was always my tell. Like if if I got mad, that's usually the place I would go. So thankfully, my uh, gaming buddies don't see that anymore because I just, you know, I just I just try to play games that I enjoy, you know, where I'm not going to lose my mind over. So
1: yeah, and and that's and that's and uh, nowadays you're spoiled for choice. I mean uh, yeah, it's true the the amount of games that's that are around are, are mind-boggling I and mean, yes uh, there's there's uh, well of course there's there's the big ones but there are a lot of small rules and uh, a lot of uh, innovative uh, systems out there and well uh, when you go on Facebook there's there's one coming every day I think
0: yeah and uh, and they're good too like interesting yeah. mac- Interesting mechanics and you're all right. I mean, even just look, here's the thing. Granted, podcasts didn't exist, you know. Well, it's not entirely true, but there weren't too many podcasts 10 years ago, or certainly 20 years ago, right? Just right. the fact that if you go on Spotify and just look at the number of different podcasts, there are interviews with people in the industry and people just talking about games, it's like it really is like a gaming renaissance right now, in my opinion.
1: Well maybe maybe it is maybe it isn't I don't, I yeah. don't, but we're making a whole lot of noise and that's yeah. uh, and 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 I think that's good because uh, well basically in the Netherlands we don't have an, a, 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 a very much history in in wargaming
2: mm-hmm.
1: or or game well there are games of course there are the, the board games that the family which right. I call the family games uh but the the, the wargames are Uh, unknown territory for most of the people in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I, uh, well, I try to do as much shows as I can and there's one big one in the Netherlands that's called the Spellen Mm Spectacle, which, uh, the the game spectacle Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and uh, it's it's a very long, it's in Utrecht and it's a, it's a, it's a very big uh, venue when, uh, and all of the Dutch gaming industry is there but there's just this and we managed to wiggle in a small portion of it for war games right and people come around and well they look at it and said what's this is that a game right. yeah it's a game
0: want to play <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about that because i mean yeah if we're talking about people in the netherlands that are trying to kind of push not just games forward but more like you know, the t- types of miniatures games that, you know, you and I are both very fond of, yeah. you are one of the people that's doing it. So I think at this yeah. point, could you tell us a little bit about, well, just you as a rules author? Because I know for a fact, correct me if I'm wrong, you've done a lot of work with Warlord, right? In addition to doing your own Bella Ludi thing?
1: Um, well, no. Well, a lot of work is, uh, well, it, it felt like that, but, mm-hmm. um... I wrote the, the Gallic Wars, a supplement for the Hail Caesar, mm-hmm. and they, it well. I delivered that in in September, uh, and they're now uh, making well. They're doing the editing part, and that's right. trying to make a Warlord Games book with with the with the photographs and the, and the, and the artwork uh, with my text. That's, gotcha. That's basically it. And uh, what 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 I've managed to do is tell the story as Caesar told it. But uh, I tried to make a scenario of every battle he mentions.
0: Wow, and that's incredible!
1: That's yeah, that's forty two scenarios in that book.
0: Wow, so, <laughs> and this is so, going to be the book the book that's going to be coming out. I'm assuming yes. it's not just going to be a Dutch version. I'm assuming that it's like an English version, Dutch or Spanish. You know, no, it's about- a,
1: it's a, uh, it's going to be an English version, and uh, I I I haven't heard anything about translations, but okay, uh, they they might do that. I'm I'm not sure, uh, but they probably do it with some with uh, with some of the guys they they already know. They take my text and, and translate it, but right, I've, I've, I haven't even realized that because. Gotcha. Uh, I was there was um, well there was some kind of an advertisement uh, uh, for war from Warlord and that was well I think uh, about one and a half year ago now mm-hmm. uh, in which they asked well if you want to write a supplement uh, for one of our books uh, please let us know and I think I thought well that's an opportunity let's let, mm-hmm.
2: let's
1: give it a go and. Uh, well, I've written for Wargame, Soldiers, and strategy, so I had this, I had this idea of how to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I uh, well, I, I I went I was transferred to a site and I had to fill in my whole uh, resume and uh, what my salary would be and 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 I thought, well, this this isn't what I want. Mm-hmm. So, and there was this name there, it's called Paul Sawyer. And I thought, wow, let's let's mail Paul. And I did. Mm-hmm. And I said, Paul, uh, my name is Peter. You might not know me, but uh, I've written for Wargame Soldier Strategy. I've, uh, you might want to have a look at the Bellaludi website because I also have my own uh, rule sets. And I'd like to have a shot at uh, uh, writing a supplement. So, and then, uh, well, a couple of weeks later, I got a message. Well, you, you passed through the first election. So, mm-hmm. that was, uh, so I didn't have to fill in everything uh, on, on the website. <laughs> All of the bureaucratic red tape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I had to submit uh, an article and um, basically uh, a scenario how, how that would. Looked like, and I did the the Battle of Agincourt, uh, which I also done on the, uh, on university. But then, well, I translated parts of it and I made it a, a hill Caesar scenario with some extra rules and some box scenes and well, the, basically the way they wanted. And uh, well, and I passed that too. And mm-hmm. then there was a, a a lot of talk about okay, what do you want to write about? And I was thinking about the early Middle Ages or or 100 years wars or something. Uh, but there are, those are very large topics. And, uh, and then we decided to settle on uh, Caesar's Galaxy Wars. So, and then I got that commission, basically. And I started writing and uh, I did a, a call on Facebook. Okay, guys, I'm writing this. Uh, well, could somebody help me test the, the the scenarios so a couple of people came forward I sent mm-hmm. them chapters and uh, they came back to me and uh, well I delivered it to uh warlord in september last year and thinking okay he's gonna come back to me and say okay can you change this or that and uh, we need more this and we need more that but it was uh he said okay this is
0: okay and uh so now I'm waiting for them to to do that job no, that's great. That's really awesome to hear. Um, it's, it's quite the accomplishment, you know, because it is a. I mean, look as as big of an industry as gaming has become, it's still pretty niche. So the fact that you mm. got in there, uh, you know, with no edits a needed, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Um, and I'll be, you know, selfishly very excited to see that book when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask something: Were you doing your work with Bella Ludi before you did the Hell Caesar supplement? Or was it after? Uh, that both makes sense. Both. both. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I,
1: I started Bellaludi in 2018 at the, officially because I I got my master's degree and uh, the idea for uh, wargaming and team building came uh, well during my study basically because mm-hmm. we we were gaming uh, with a couple of friends and all right, there was beer involved, but. Uh, <laughs> Somehow I noticed, it came to me that the, the guys in front of us were, were not communicating with each other anymore. And it might have been fatigue, it might have been uh, whatever, uh, but they weren't coordinating their efforts. And I went, we went down and uh, we had a smoke and I told my friend, well, these guys aren't communicating with each other anymore. What are we going to do about it? And well, he had this idea. Well, if I go that way, you go that way, and we can uh, pinch them one at a time. Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay, let's do that." So we basically we made a battle plan, and right. that's that's one thing you don't really do when you're playing war games. You, you just okay, you just go with the flow, and
0: uh, well, at least that's what I do. Oh no, very true. <laughs> I mean, every gaming group is a little bit different, but. Yeah, I mean, I've run... It just so happens that I'm on break from work. Uh, so I've had a chance to run a ton of games. And with a lot of the people that I play with, a lot of times it's sort of... I'm going to sit down and sort of go. Like, my troops are in front of me. You know, whereas... I'm
1: going to push them forward as yeah, see what exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Which, again, like, you know, uh, there is something to... At least as a GM, you know, running a game, there is something to almost forcing players to take five minutes and be like, okay, what what is the objective and how are we going to... Accomplish. It. So it sounds a little like you took a little, almost advantage of the fact that the people you were playing against weren't doing that. Is that? I mean, would that uh, be uh, fair, uh, that, fair to uh, say? That was it. That was yeah. it.
1: And 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 basically, the, well, thinking about that further, um, the, my management had just had a day off uh, fixing bamboo sticks into uh, some kind of contraptions that could roll a ball from from left to right. Without any help, and I thought, well, this is this is about people cooperating together, doing something they they've never done before, and uh, and it's basically what you do with uh, well any given work situation. You got a new project, nobody's done this before. You throw in a couple of people who you think might uh, might pull it off, and okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And and what do you do in the, in the, in a in a working situation? You 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 um, you make a plan first. Okay, first I'm gonna we're gonna do this. Then we're gonna do that. We're gonna do this, and we need budget, and we need uh, extra help, and blah blah blah. Then you go to the management again, and they say, okay, this is our plan. How are we gonna do this? And they're gonna say, okay, or or not. But um, but that doesn't happen in wargaming, and it barely happens in team building. Mm-hmm. But that was that was, and I'm, my thought was, why not have people play a game they have never played before, and see see how that works. So uh, when we have a group of people, there, there's, there's also the there, there's well, we start. They start with admiring the miniatures because there's all 28 millimeter miniatures, and when you have 12 people, you got 1,200 miniatures on the table. So that's that's a pretty impressive sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then I give some historical context. Okay, this is uh, a couple of days after Waterloo. It's uh, northern part of France, and uh, this is the final battle of the Napoleonic Wars. It's not true, but it's it's the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm going to ask who is going to be who's going to be playing the French, who's going to be playing the English, because French and English is blue and red. That's easy to identify. Um, so so we're, we're talking people who you have to explain that an infantryman is a guy on foot and a cavalryman is a guy on horse. So right. we have to make it simple as possible. Right. Um, and, uh, well, if they don't resolve that, because that's that's also a theme, uh, a team-building thing, if they can't resolve who's in which team, Mm -hmm. then okay then then I've got a bag with red and blue chips and okay that's that's gonna settle that then the next question is okay who do you think should be the leader who do you (laughs) think should be the general
0: (laughs) it's quite the question Peter
1: (laughs) quite the question yes because it says something about that team and uh, well usually they all start looking at the manager and uh, the manager is my uh, uh, Patreon so (laughs) Uh, I will have discussed this with him or her, and usually the the manager says, uh, "Okay, I'm not gonna be the general here," so that one's out. So one of the colleagues, co-workers, mm-hmm. has to be the general. So it's it's all about how do how do people perceive each other. And, uh, is 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 Jared the one that has? Yeah, the insight to lead us through this uh, through this project or not, and uh, the, the very interesting stuff here. But usually, well, one uh, one volunteers, and he gets uh, a letter, and uh, in that letter is his written uh, objective, mm-hmm. and that that's basically always take the village, take the hills,
0: right? So like and, something on the board that needs to be taken. Exactly. Got it. And there, there are two
1: armies. Uh, usually, when you're playing with with twelve people, you got four infantry and two cavalry division uh, brigades on each side, so it's evenly matched. And they both have the the objective is to take the village. It's in the middle and the hills, which are on the left and the right flanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, the only read take the village. That says something about reading instructions. Right. And and you can give that back to them. That's, uh, and then I force them to step aside for a little bit and decide with each other how they're going to handle that. So that's basically the first part of the of Bela Ludi game is make a plan. Right. And uh, I think it's, yeah, it's so powerful and, uh, well, simple, powerful, and hardly ever done <laughs> that that it has to be in there okay th- take a moment to think about what what you're going to do mm-hmm. now and um, well after that they we're, we're playing the first round and I'm guiding them through all the steps and I'm doing going to do that the second round as well and then the third round they're basically playing by themselves Right, and you don't you don't have to uh, intervene that much or uh, do anything, and then and then it will roll. Oh, there's something flying here. Oh.
0: Yeah, sorry, <laughs> how dare that thing try to interrupt our interview? <laughs> I don't know. No, no. Did you, you take know, care I'm of it? To- <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, for our listeners that have never played a game of Bell Bellutti, so you've done a really good job, kind of laying out, you know, the victory conditions and all all of the different kinds of skills almost that you're trying to pull out of people on the tabletop. How would you describe for somebody that's never played a war game before, or even has just never played Bella Ludi, How would you describe like the basic game mechanics, like how to move and how to shoot without like necessarily, you don't have to go into a ton of detail, but
1: no, but the 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 philosophy behind the battle ludi games are uh, simple rules and tough choices. That's, okay. Uh, and and that's what I have to keep in mind when writing rules because um, I want them to be uh, understandable for somebody who's not have the experience, who doesn't didn't have any any experience about wargaming before. Mm-hmm uh might have uh, played some board games and you know how to roll a dice and um and that th- that should be your 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 basic level of uh knowledge playing games and uh usually most people have that right um but then it's uh then it's about choices that you have to make um and uh, well, that's also in every game. You have to make choices. You have to roll the dice and and live with the consequences of those choices. Right. Um, and what I try to do is uh, well, I I made this uh, the Beta ludi dice, and it's a twenty-sided dice, and it has a letter B on it, and that I'm using that for uh, blunder or. Uh, when something goes wrong in command in in the command phase uh, there's a zero there nothing happens then in the command phase there's one two and three and that will give you one two or three moves or one two or three orders it's basically it uh, the idea is the same but it's it, it's a bit different in skirmish games than than, than the big battle games um, and um, now, where was I? Um, so, and and um, the idea for 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 the dice is that you know instantly um, what you can do. Yeah, and uh, and that that that's what I thought really helped people who do not have experience in wargaming to uh, to okay, I can make three moves. Okay, uh, let's do that. That.
0: Right. And I want to point out, too, to our listeners that to me, like as a pretty experienced player, that might be the most innovative part of what you're doing in your game. Like to me, because, again, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably played some kind of game before or you maybe have even more game before, given the kinds of people we bring on as as uh, interviewees. But in a lot of game systems... Um, you might have to roll two dice and add them up. You might have to look at modifiers like, you know, what are you adding to that roll? What are you subtracting? It takes a couple of minutes to try to figure out, well, what can my unit actually do? And what Peter has basically done here is simplify that into literally a single interesting d20. So again, for if you've never game before, I don't it might be a little bit hard to understand how pivotal of a decision that is because now you've got somebody who's never played before in an office doing some skill building work, you know, maybe they're a project manager trying to learn how to work, you know, better with people, let's say, or how to manage people more effectively and again, like you're sitting down at a tabletop and instead of having to do a ton of math in order to figure out what can I actually do, Peter simplified it to one die rope. So kudos to you. Yeah. I mean, it's a thank a you. simple but really important little game mechanic.
1: And, and and uh well kudos to my colleagues as well because we mm-hmm. we, we tested it on because uh, because the, the the system you're uh, subscribing is is basically the hill Caesar uh black powder mm-hmm. uh thing when uh, you roll two dice, you add them to uh, you add them up you subtract the level of uh of your general which it might be seven or eight or right uh, and then you calculate how many uh moves you got but um, well, my co-workers didn't grasp that idea mm-hmm. and it was it was like you said, it was a lot of math and uh, the next time they had to test, and they had to throw uh as, uh as high as possible in the first time they had to throw two dice as low as possible
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the other time they had, and that was that was confusing to them. And yeah, uh, so I thought, okay, let's let's uh, because we 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 thought about it and and we did some uh, calculations. And so basically, in twenty five percent of of the cases, you're gonna uh, you you uh, no seventy five percent of the cases you're gonna move.
2: Twenty
1: mm-hmm. percent uh, of the cases you're not moving, and in one fifth uh, or, or uh, one twentieth, just five percent. Right. Yeah, uh, that's something bad happens
0: gotcha and And yeah and kind of like hail caesar and black powder you kind of have like a stat line for each unit so it's like you might have to roll three dice to shoot or you know something something like a game mechanic something along those lines and each unit can take x amount of hits before they're removed from the table Exactly,
1: and that's that's also because uh, well, when we're playing this in team building, there when when a unit gets hit, we we put some chits there, so basically people can see uh, the state of the unit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So and that might influence your decision. Sure. Because, uh, to the, okay, those guys are shaken. Uh, let me push one more time there, and then I can break through. Perhaps uh, it it might influence your decision. But uh, but then again, uh, there's also the saving throw, and we deleted that mm-hmm. because uh, I couldn't explain to <laughs> to my coworkers uh, who shot at a unit with a cannon hit. Um, and I couldn't explain the saving throw. Mm-hmm. I, he was just like, I I hit him with a cannon. Like how could how, nothing happen? <laughs> how can nothing happen? Yeah. And I could throw all kinds of statistics to him, but that's that's not how you want to play. And basically, what you're what you're doing in team building is the the game is a means to an end, and it's not a uh, it's not the holy grail of wargaming. Right. It might be the holy grail of wargaming, or uh, like um, a, a gateway drug or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can play that and then think, "Hey, this is fun. Play a few games and uh, see what's out there." And uh, I'd be, I'd be happy if uh, if somebody used my game to get into wargaming, or well, collected an army and then go to, on to, uh, "Hail Caesar, Black Powder." Now we're mentioning or Chain of Command or uh, sure. because or bold action or because uh, eventually you're gonna look for um, mechanics or uh, rule sets that that feels right and uh, and that depends on every kind of player and, I mean and uh, every everybody's got their own favorites yeah and uh, and but it's and one thing i always also try to do is the to lure the, the the fantasy and the 40 game players into well, second world war or vietnam or mm-hmm. uh, we're working on a vietnam rule set right now but um and and, and again the the most difficult part is uh, to keep it simple yeah <laughs> and and to keep it uh natural for uh non-war gamers to play and at the same time uh have have a have a nice game for war gamers as well.
0: Yeah, I think what you're describing, um, it it's it's all sounds very accurate to me. Again, the reason I say that is because I flipped through the Bell book and I'm gonna use um, you know, the rules for some of my next gen events because they're they're a great right. games. Yeah, they're a great set of rules for kids, you know. But again, like I love that word gateway, right? Because in so many different regards, I can kind of see Bellaludi. whether you're talking about using it as an instructional tool, kind of like how you use it and kind of how I've used games in my own classroom and at next-gen events and things like that. Yes, you have your audience there, but look, as a veteran war gamer, um, Bela Ludi can kind of stand on its own, you know, in terms of, you know, drawing in maybe some people who uh, have a little bit more experience. And ultimately, if you get some experienced players who maybe start with Bellaludi and either make modifications to it and just use that as their rule set, or like you're saying, use it almost like a staircase to get to some other rules, then it sounds like um, a really nice little niche that Bellaludi can fit in in the gaming community. Yeah. Because how yeah, many I'm, other I'm, systems are like that? I can't think of many. Do you know what I mean? Like rules that are specifically made as like an introductory rule set. The only one I can think of off the top of my head um, is Raven Feast. Which I think yeah. I'm getting that name right from the Little Wars guys. That was a yep. very deliberate rule set. Um, that's And the it's only thing. I, yeah, yep. and it's free. It's the only <laughs> thing I can think of off the, off the top of my head. Maybe um, the new game by the Perries. Uh, Valor and fortitude is a little yeah. bit like that, which is rules, just you know, like a game. We're literally on three, three pages or four pages. Yeah.
1: So, and and but there are a lot of those around as well. But um, what what I what I uh, well what I usually think of flipping them through is that. Uh, they 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 fall a little bit short for for my taste, but mm-hmm. uh, not 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 to uh, put them down or anything. But no, of course, because uh, because they they uh, because it's free. Uh, they're they they're they're gonna uh, speak to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and 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 that, and that's a good thing. And when thinking about the hobby and getting as much. Uh, People in there, uh,
0: if, the, if that's the goal, then that's I should applaud it, yeah. No, for sure. Now, yeah. I have a question, Bella Ludi, right? So, yeah. again, correct me if I'm wrong, but is your sort of vision to be able to use Bella Ludi as kind of um, a core set of rules that you could use for lots of different periods? I mean, would that be fair to say, or what, or are the different period books that you guys have? Are the rules drastically different?
1: Uh, well, no, no, they're not drastically different, but there are uh, nuances. I okay. mean, um, well, what what I try to do as a uh, as a military historian as well is, um, well, I've, I've, I've uh, the, what, when you take the period, um, say eighteen. 65 to 1945. Uh, in 1865, uh, something happened with the, the the bolt action rifle. It mm-hmm. came into use with uh, with the Germans with the Zundnagel, and then it uh, and then uh, or the bridge loading uh, weapon, and it uh, massively increased the the firing speed of the. Of the soldiers, and it forced them to um, and, to go in more into open order than they were used to. And uh, the thing is that that open order, closed order, or uh, bunched up, or or uh, wide open, uh, doesn't really matter how you call it. But uh, uh, people have a tendency to to bunch up in 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 difficult circumstances, and and basically in war that's not a good thing to do it was a good thing to do when you're working with a musket sure. but uh, it's not a good thing to do anymore with uh, fully automatic re- uh, rifles and and stuff like that uh, so there's there's differences there um, but uh, when you look at army organization it basically it's a it's a, a group of well, ten to twelve guys, and it may vary a little bit, but it's usually ten to twelve guys. They're led by a corporal or a sergeant, and then there's another group of ten to twelve guys led by a corporal and sergeant, and there's a, a lieutenant with it, or uh, a master sergeant, or and uh, that's basically the group um, I'm working with with the skirmish game. So that's that's two times twelve and a commander. And you can make it three times or four times 12 that's uh, the, the games will handle that uh but uh well when you're working with um 1865 to 1914 you won't have uh the light machine gun right and when well, you might have a light machine gun but it would be a separate team and uh in the in the first world war they start to incorporate this in those 12 guys and well, they kept that uh, all the way up to Vietnam. It's, it's and still now they have uh, groups of four, three groups of four makes groups of twelve. So uh, somehow the, the number of twelve keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. So I'm, um, uh, but uh, the the orders you can give are different. So in uh, in a medieval game, you're you're gonna have the well build a shield wall or, uh, pikes forward. Right. A little different, (laughs) a little different. And, and, uh, yes, you can, you can go into open order in a, in a Napoleonic game. It has advantages. It has, uh, disadvantages, but if you want to use your firepower, you have to be in close order. So, um, so what we try to do is we, we have the same mechanic. You roll the, you roll the commander dice in that gives you one, two or three orders.
0: And uh, but the orders you can give are different. Okay, got it. So that's um, how you're getting period flavor, depending on what you're doing. That's how we're, we're getting period flavor, yeah. Got it. Exactly. So that's, that's uh, again, really awesome to hear, like in the sense that you have these basic core mechanics, but there's nothing worse than playing the same rule set for so many different periods, and it always feels like you're kind of playing the same game, where it doesn't really sound like that's going to be the case for Bellaludy.
1: No, well, you might you might have uh, when you're playing First World War or Second World War. It's um, for the infantry. It's basically the same, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure I'm um, stepping on a lot of toes right now. Mm-hmm. But but uh, there there's still a group of of, of twelve guys, and uh, the only thing with uh, with the Second World War they had much more stuff
2: right. to use.
1: There were more uh, armored vehicles. There were inf- infantry fighting vehicles. There were there were tanks. Uh, and in the First World War, they also had those, but they were less armored, far fewer on the battlefield, um, and uh, so it, it it gives a different flavor.
0: Yeah, and look, I don't think you're stepping on that many toes. It kind of depends on the scale, right? Because I mean, look. I was just reading an article the other day making comparisons between um, all of the city fighting that's happening um, in Bakhmut between Russians and Ukrainians. They are literally comparing it to the First World War. So it's just that they have different weapons. Like if you're talking about squad on squad, it's going to be very similar. I think where you'll see differences is like if Bell was more of an operational war game or a strategic war game or something along those lines, then yeah. right. Like a world war one infantry company in 1914 is going to behave very differently than something from world war two. But if you're just talking about a squad versus squad, I mean, we can intellectualize that, you know, all day, but the bottom line is you've got 12 guys with guns and 12 guys with guns. Right. So that's the that, bottom line, and yeah, so yeah, that that so I I agree in that sense. Um, yeah,
1: and, and on the other hand, the, the the four guys in Bachmut are carrying more uh, firepower than the twelve guys did in, in nineteen fourteen. Very true, um, and and I think that should come back in. Uh, well, if, if if we should do a modern warfare uh, Belladuti, which mm-hmm. which is in the pipeline somewhere, but uh, there's lots of things to do, and mm-hmm. um, and well, what? But that's that's kind of the idea, and we're now uh, well, we've got the, the the Middle Ages one because I wanted to make a difference between ancient and Middle Ages, but that's that's really difficult because the the way of fighting is uh, was basically the same. Right, and there were spears and swords and arrows, and uh, well, the, you have that from. Uh,
0: the Sumerians up to, uh, Yeah, no, it's funny you bring that up. I, I have always found like, it's hard to find good ancient and medieval rule sets out there, primarily because of that. I mean, again, now I'll step on some toes right, right now. You were afraid of doing that before, but it's pretty hard to make an interesting game where you have a shield wall versus shield wall, whether that's in the, you know, the earliest part of the middle ages or, you know, uh, even looking at like the late Roman period, you know, there's only so much that one can do there. So I-, I personally have always found it very difficult to find an engaging set of rules for that time period. As much as I like a game like Hail Caesar, or Tactica, or DBA, or you know, th- and again, those are yeah. all very different games, but still, it's you know, it's a pretty challenging thing for a rules writer.
1: And and, and it's true. And and the the thing with the, with the shield ball, we decided to to put an order in there and it's only in the medieval uh, so far and that's called disengage
2: mm-hmm.
1: where where you can well one of the chi- when, when you go infantry for infantry and the guys have shields uh, they can form a shield wall as a charge reaction you have to roll the dice for that for, because it might not always work uh, so you have the first clash and that will probably uh, be indecisive
2: mm mm-hmm.
1: Because it, well, well, basically it was, and uh, and then you have the uh, the option as uh, as the attacker or uh, to disengage from that uh, because the shield wall is gonna stay put, mm-hmm. and uh, well, and then you get free to it's it's move and fire basically it's uh, it's all about it, it's about movement it's about uh, command decisions uh don't forget to rally because you only have 12 guys and uh well when when one gets shot you can uh spend an order to rally him again mm-hmm. that's that's similar to the saving throw but right. uh but different you have to spend an order to do that so you have again you have a choice right do i go with the 11 that's still there or do i bring the the, the other guy back mm-hmm. and um and that's um uh, and that's the, 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 the idea. Simple rules, tough choices, because you'll have to make the decision, what am I going to do with this unit of, of troops? And uh, am I going to leave them there? Or am I going to pull back a little bit and get my group back together again? Right. So that's also possible. <coughs> and, uh, well, I, th- I, th- I think... We 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 managed to create interesting games in in such a way.
0: Yeah. So on that on that sort of note, um, what have general reactions been to your game? Because I know that you've done, you know, you've gone to conventions, you've run these rules for friends, and you've done a lot of those corporate types of events, like where you're working, you're using Bell Ludi as kind of like a skill builder, you know, for the corporate environment. Generally speaking, like what what is reaction been to the rules?
1: Good. the, the, the reaction has been good, and, uh, and well, well, I, I I won't forget the first reaction I saw on the internet, and that was uh, a guy from California. And he played his uh, uh, the the seventeen hundred nineteen hundred big battle rules with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, well, he he was uh, lyrical basically, <laughs> <laughs> because a he got to play with his girlfriend, and sure. uh, and b uh, well, he he didn't go as far as call me a genius, but. Uh, he wrote that down in that in, in that <laughs> sentence. That was, always nice to get a it, It's always nice to get a compliment, and that was that was the first reaction I got. Um, well, and and it's well, I find it the, the what I see on the internet is it's positive. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are some that they say, okay, it is a nice ideas, but uh, it's not my cup of tea. Well, mm-hmm. fair enough um I've had one that said uh, that was the first world war is that a little too light for my taste Well, mm-hmm. could be but uh on the other hand they they totally got the um the the multiplayer idea behind it and it, that it was really fast and and intuitive mm-hmm. so so basically you have this uh uh, because most of my customers are war gamers, mm-hmm. so um, they might be looking for uh, well, if you if if you're looking in into uh, well, uh, some Hail Caesar, or you're not going to find that. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Hail Caesar is two hundred pages, uh, right. mine mine is thirty, so uh, there and there's a there's a lot less fluff, of course, but. Um, not everything you're used to will be there. Yeah, sure, and, sure. And on the other hand, uh, we don't miss it because the, the, the stuff that's not there, we usually tend to forget when we're playing uh, a, a large game
0: with, no, with another absolutely. role set. And, and no, absolutely. And then that's 100% correct because I can't tell you how many times, even from my own personal experience look, there there is something to be said about a two or three hundred page rule book that's really beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. But there's another thing of having to flip through that thing endlessly trying to find that one sentence that is going to make or break your playing experience, you know? And I've had that, you know, experience many, many, many times. So it's yep. like if Bella Ludi is going to, help a player commit what they need to know to memory within a couple of minutes, then to me, that's a win. Because what's most important... Again, I'm you know, uh, getting on my uh, soapbox for a second. To me, what's the most important thing is the decisions that the players have to make when they're playing and what they kind of come away with when they're done, you know? And that's true. I mean, uh, the, uh, Peter Perla uh, once, once described
1: Wargaming as... Uh A competitive environment where uh, players have to make decisions and live with the consequences of those decisions in that competitive environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you talk about it like that, it's it's basically any game, but it's particularly for war games. And uh, we we also always shake hands after a game.
0: Yeah, for I sure. Just, uh,
1: that, that's that's something silly that doesn't really happen when when you when you when you play a game of uh, well, Catan or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in war games, you see that, and, and <laughs> it's because okay, you're not the, the battle is over. You're not my enemy anymore. So okay. yeah, Catan I is be... one of
0: Catan is one of my favorite board games, but it usually ends with a lot of yelling. <laughs> 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 you know, it reminds me of Monopoly in that sense. But so let me ask you, Peter, if somebody. Uh, was interested in learning more about uh you know the Bellaludi family of, of war games. what should they do where should they find you um online
1: uh well there's the the there's uh, www.bellaludi.nl okay and w- we have a uh, an english page there as well that's explaining the end rules because it's a, it's a dutch uh, you can also go to .com, but it will bring you to the NL site. Okay. Um, so there we explain uh, what Belaludi is. We explain it in Dutch and in English, and we also have some more uh, information about the uh, the games that that we produce. Uh, you can also I'm also on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, so you can. To type in Bellaludi and and uh, follow me there because I, I like to share. Well, uh, a lot of the stuff I'm working on and uh, and such. Uh, there's also uh, one on LinkedIn, so <laughs> if you want, if you want to think, right, hey, this is professionally interesting, connect there uh, or follow me there um and there are also there are there are some uh, interesting uh, reviews on um uh, the no dice no glory site mm-hmm. it, uh, mitch mitch did two reviews and there are also reviews on the uh, what's the Beast of war on tabletop website uh, there are well, if you type in BetterLudy and uh, then you'll find, uh, some, some guys writing on
0: forums, uh, yeah. for that. Um, so it sounds like you're really out there. If somebody wants to find you, they're going to find you.
1: Yeah. If they type, type it in Google, they're going to, they're going to find me. And, um, well, you can, you can always send me a mail or a direct mm-hmm. message and,
0: uh, and ask a question. That's, uh, Yeah. And I think what I'm going to do on our end for the next gen website, we'll, we'll put something up because i want people to find you ultimately i mean that's really oh, what it comes wow. to i mean that's kind of why you're here right i mean for me like just selfishly i think that the rules are great and hopefully with any luck you know we can put um a little a little article about bell maybe on our blog and on our instagram page and hopefully uh hopefully we'll we'll get some more people playing um hopefully yeah if you yeah, need, no, need any text
1: sure. uh uh, just give me a, give me a call for sure. That's, so where
0: um, where are you guys headed? Like as a as like a I don't know if, if you refer to yourselves as an organization or a set of rule like a rules writing team. What what are you guys planning for the future?
1: Well, um, one rule set that's nearly done and uh, it's 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 in review right now uh, is the Harkabus, mm-hmm. and that's a Renaissance skirmish war game. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're also working on a Vietnam skirmish game, and um, and there is one interesting thing, and I think that's gonna that's gonna be very interesting, and that's Bela Ludi Spellbound, mm-hmm. and that's gonna add monsters and magic to historic wargaming. Oh, that's so, fun. That's, and and you can use any miniature you have. Uh, we we we're, we're not. Describing, okay, this is a hydra and it looks like that. No, it's a it's a monster and it's level one, two or three and it can do this and this and this, and uh, and then you can add and distract some things t- to it if you if you want to. I mean, but there's okay. also going to be there's going to be uh well the same idea you're going to have uh 13 pages of basic gaming and then I think another 13 about uh specials. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, when when you are uh, fiddling with magic, and there's also, there's always going to be something uh, special. Yeah. And uh, well, when those are done, uh, I'm thinking about rewriting the 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 first rule set, the 1700, 1900, because it it has a Napoleonic flavor, and I want to. Uh, I think I want to expand into that because we did also the American Civil War. Yeah. Which is a, a well uh which has some of the same mechanics but uh is mo- is more lethal than mm-hmm. uh than the Napoleonic one. And uh because um well the idea was to have a rule set out for uh team building as well as war gamers
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, that rule set tried to do both.
0: Oh I see. Uh, and
1: uh, what, what, what we now have in uh, the team building, we're working with uh, hexagons instead of measure, measuring tapes. Makes it faster once more. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the, those rules are basically have advanced in, in, in the Dutch language. So uh, I can translate them if, if somebody wants them, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but the Napoleonic one sh- could ha- could have more flavor. Right. But, uh, well, first, we're gonna sell out the, 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 a couple of uh, <laughs> things I still have here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, the, the, in the period eighteen hundred, uh, seventeen hundred, uh, nineteen hundred, as as uh, well the the Franco-Prussian War, which was also slightly different. Uh, a customer of mine already put uh, his ideas for, uh, the, 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 uh, that's one of the great things of, of, of this hobby community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a customer, of my, uh, his name is called Greg, and he's an American, and he read my rules, he was enthusiastic, but he played the Franco-Prussian War, mm-hmm. and he decided to add two pages of rules uh, for use with the Bellaludy rules for the Franco-Prussian War, and uh, he gave it to me i put it on my website and it's been downloaded a couple of times so uh and that's 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 really um yeah, how do you, how do you say it? it 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 is more than a compliment that people take your work and uh expand on it oh that's 100% it,
0: yeah that's what is that's the old brilliant. saying something like imitation is one of the great compliments right something like along those lines yeah something along those lines yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Well, it sounds yeah. like just so many good things are sort of coming your way. And uh, you had said before we had actually started recording, you you and your team are going to a con, what, this coming weekend in April? Like the first weekend the, in the, April?
1: Uh, no, it's, it's the last weekend of March. But, last weekend uh, of March, okay.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's uh,
1: literally uh, tomorrow we're driving to uh, Brunswick uh, or Braunschweig. Mm-hmm. It's in the eastern part of Germany. I was invited there for a uh, Red Lion con. And it's a it's a, a German trade show. I haven't been there. I haven't seen it. I've, mm-hmm. I've, 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 there's RedLionCon.de, mm-hmm. German website, uh, but yeah, the, it, the, the language is in English, so that yeah. shouldn't be a problem. And it's it's a convention, and uh, it's two days, and so and we're demoing there the uh, the big battle game, the Napoleonic one uh we're gonna do the second world war because it's also already translated in german Mm -hmm. and we're gonna do the medieval uh skirmish game because that's the latest one and uh well we're gonna have three tables there and people can come along and play and we're going to practice our German.
0: Well, that sounds amazing. And ultimately, I mean, just like I said, huge congratulations cuz you know, you guys are doing very well and with any luck more people will will stumble upon your rules. I hope, hope.
1: hopefully. Let's hope this breaks open the US market. <laughs>
0: the- yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, that on that note, I mean, again, uh, there's I feel like there's always phrases I use in in each podcast way too often. I feel like on that note is one of them. But on that note, one more on that time. note, yeah. we got to get you to come to Astoricon, um, which is the really big um, eastern seaboard convention in the US that HMGS runs. So we'll have to oh, at wow. some point or another talk a little bit about that and see if uh, we can get you guys over to run some demos there. That'd be a lot of fun.
1: I would be happy to come if uh, the finances can be worked out. (laughs) I got always, always the million dollar question is
0: the finances, right? Yeah. Well, it's
1: going to, it's not going to cost a million dollars, but yeah. uh,
0: (laughs) But thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate the fact that you were willing to come on and spend this hour and 20 minutes uh, talking gaming. So again, thank you.
1: Well, jared thank you for having me and well uh i, th- I think i will be the, the my, my my partner jürgen uh he will be i think really enthusiastic to to come to Historicon. that would yeah be we'll have to see something of, uh, yeah yeah something to see i mean Indeed. Uh, yeah
0: all righty peter have a wonderful day have a wonderful day thank you thank you so much for listening to today's 20-sided gamified podcast I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org My Instagram handle is inc. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank you so much.